Hey everyone, you're listening to Something Real. On today's Something to Talk About episode, Rich and I are discussing a little bit more about what he talked about on Tuesday's episode. Kind of just how the Pharisees are looking at Jesus and asking, hey, why are you doing all this stuff with these people? Why are you feasting when you should be fasting? And so we're going to talk about Jesus's response to all those questions and those accusations. So here's the discussion. Well, in Luke 5, we've got this... uh what appears to be a thought bridge, a transition going from um, from the the three scenes of healing and the the two physical healings and the soul healing of Levi, as Jesus calls him, uh, to follow him, and, and it seems to be bridging between that and the Sabbath concept that's going to come up in chapter six, uh, as the these Pharisees are um, they're unhappy with Jesus for uh, hanging out with the bad people. Uh, and the the religious pride seems to be coming up, and then they start to question him about you know well why do we fast and John's people fast but your people they're just like party on dude they're you know still doing all this stuff uh, what's what's the deal you you bunch of you know licentious liberals just want to do whatever you want to do and um, Jesus says you're kind of missing the point you know. The point is, like John said, he was the friend of the bridegroom, but the bridegroom's here now. When the bridegroom's here, party, party. it's time for the festival. It's time for the, it's time for the big celebration. So why would you do that? Then when the time comes for fasting, you fast. And when the time comes for celebrating, you celebrate. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> you and I talked earlier, it's kind of like the Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time for everything. Right now is the time for dancing, not the time for mourning. The time for mourning will come. And then he goes into this thing about the, the um, old, old uh, uh, new patch of cloth on old cloth, on an old garment, or uh, the old struggling here with words. It's always great in a podcast when you can't actually get words to come out of your mouth. It's a great thing. Uh, when you put the new wine in old wine skins and of course in the fermentation process and it expands and it bursts those skins right. um, there's a there's a lot that goes into this and Jesus is saying things that they're not getting and they're not going to get um, for the hard-hearted ones they're not ever going to get it and for the softer hearted ones who will receive it they won't receive it for a while they'll get it later but Jesus doesn't stop telling them just because they're not going to get it. So are they getting it twisted because they're, they've been told and they've been following one way their whole, their whole lives? Or their whole, you know, they're, they're following Old Testament rules, yeah. essentially. And so now this guy comes and says, no, we're doing things this way. That I have authority to make it this way. Yeah, you're talking about with the wineskins and yeah. the cloth. So, yeah, it pretty pretty universally among commentators. This has been a passage that I've, I've struggled with for, for years. Well, if you're um, struggling with it, imagine how I'm feeling. <laughs> I mean, from the time I was young, I, I would see this come up, and especially Luke's uh, recording of this, um, because only Luke has verse 39 um, that says, and, and no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. Uh, older translations would say the old is good, but, but a lot of the newer ones render that as the old is better. I think both are equally uh, viable linguistically, but the point seems to be that they are preferring the old. And as um, that's in the NIV, I was reading that 
But as Jesus is talking about it, that seems to be the point. Is this what you're saying? That the new um, law of the Spirit being introduced in the gospel, which is eternal, that was what God was doing in Genesis, but the law was the precursor, the the tutor, the instructor, as uh, Paul writes in Colossians, and, and all of these things, Hebrews alludes to that too, that, that all of these things from the past were to instruct us, to bring us to this point where the bridegroom arrives and we find the Messiah. And they're used to that old way of doing so things. So it almost makes sense that they're like kind of confused about it. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, uh, as I'm wrestling with this and, and reading takes from other people, what seems to be the point of verse 39 is not so much that the old wine, which in this case, if we follow the metaphor through this, would be representing the Old Testament law or the old religious right. way of doing things. Not so much that that is better, but that they perceive that as better because of the fact that that's what they're used to. Mm-hmm. So And they know. And, and they, I have a hard time it. figuring that out because, you know, as Jesus is saying, you know, no one after drinking the old wine wants the new, for he says the old is better. Well, in that moment, it is, isn't it? I mean, I'm not a wine drinker. That's not something that I do. And, you know... Same. It's, so I can't really speak to, to that and directly. And they don't, they don't age coffee, really. So. <laughs> uh, I've had aged coffee. It had a little mold on top. But anyway, the... <laughs> you can just check expiration dates. It's your problem. <laughs> yeah, that's because I left it in the pot too long. But anyway, as we're looking at this, um, that that whole picture is saying that the old is not as good as the new. And then this verse says that the old is better than the new. That seems odd. And... and for whatever we do know about wine, and, and uh, most of this I would get from movies or whatever, <laughs> or, or from relatives who are wine wine drinkers and That's serious a good wine about movie. it, a good um, a good aged wine is for sure better than the new that is not uh, not developed right. yet. Right. So you know if you watch a Frasier sitcom, they love the old vintages, right? You're going to go through these super aged things. Hello, Seattle. <laughs> nice, but. <laughs> Um, but you don't know what the new wine is going to be yet. Well, that's the thing. So it's going to develop, and that may be the best vintage ever when it comes to its fruition. But you don't know right now. But right now, yeah. I'm used to what I'm used to. Literal sour grapes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Way to to play the Aesop's fables in there. Uh, as, As I'm tasting what I'm used to now, what has come to its fullness, to its fruition, yeah, that's good. But the new may very well be better. The new is still in process. It's still developing, and it hasn't come to this this great fulmination yet. And that won't happen in the fullness of the gospel until Christ dies on the cross and, and rises from the grave. And ultimately, when he comes back in, in the last days and establishes his kingdom. That's when it comes to its fullness. And that will be greater than anything the Old Testament ever produced. But right now, these folks are used to it. And it's interesting that both the Pharisees and John are Old Testament ministries. So John is still, even though we're seeing it recorded in the New Testament, John's ministry is pre-Christ. It's before Christ's ministry. It's before the cross and resurrection. So he's still ministering under the law. Right. As the, as the forerunner, the precursor to Jesus, to the Messiah. Right. Well, the Pharisees are clinging to the old and should be looking, 
you know, and, and this, and we see this in John's disciples. They're struggling a little bit at a, at a certain point, and John says, "Look, it's not about me. It's about him. I have to become less while he becomes greater. He is the groom. I'm just the bride, uh, the friend of the bridegroom." And as they see this, they relinquish the old to take hold of the new. The Pharisees, however, are still clinging to the old. And they're not embracing the new. They're going to resist it and reject it and burst the wineskins and tear the garment. Um, not all of them, but as a group. But I think that's human nature almost. I think and that's we what, kind, kind of, of what Jesus is saying. We were kind of just talking about that in a different situation. It's very easy to cling to what you're familiar with right. and harder to accept something new, especially when it's something, you know, to, to them probably Absolutely. seems so radical. No matter how good it is, right. the new can be very difficult to accept. I'm not a big fan of change. I recognize change is morally neutral and, and always inevitable. And therefore, I want to be proactive about change, but I don't like change. I like things to be the same way. You go to I a li- coin star and get rid of it. <laughs> when I, when I, you know, um, when they cancel a TV show that I like, right. I get irritated. You know, take Last Man Standing off the air, I get irritated. When you recast somebody in a role, <laughs> I get irritated. I don't like change. When somebody changes the recipe on their fries at the at the Ooh. fast food place, I get irritated. Now it might when be IHOP better. becomes IHOP. And you can... <laughs> don't even don't even get me started. <laughs> it's back. Don't worry. Um, when when somebody changes their fry recipe. Does this seem inconsequential? Hopefully it makes the point and is not a distraction. When somebody changes their fry recipe, I am immediately resistant and bothered by it. And that's fries. So it's this is fries. <laughs> but that might be a better recipe. By the time it gets done and I get used to it, I'm like, wow, that is so much better. Than but what how I'm long used is to. it going to take you to be resistant of it before you finally accept exactly. it? You know? And I may just say, you know what, I'm not going back there. Exactly. I'm not going to order those fries. Exactly. Anymore. And I've missed out on something great. And that appears to be what Jesus is saying to them here. This this is a situation where he seems to be ministering to the Pharisees in in these questions. As they're questioning him, it's not so much a rebuke and it's not, you know, one of these things that he's saying to them for everybody else as much as he's saying this to them for them and and also for everyone else, obviously for us. But he's saying, look, you got to let go of the old to take hold of the new. You can't try to put the new into the old. It's not, not just I'm going to add on. Now, make no mistake, Jesus isn't saying we're going to cut this off and we're well, going to start a new that's religion. That's my question, I guess, because God doesn't change. From, from day one to today, God does not change. But he does new things on a regular basis. And okay. he, he says that through the prophets. See, I'm doing a new thing. It's not that it's new for God, but it's new for us. And, and it's not know, that it's opposite of what he was saying. But it's not that he, it takes away all of what he has already done. Exactly, right. It's part of his plan. And right. so we see as, as time progresses, we have this progressive revelation. I wish you could see our hand motions. Right, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of gesturing going on. Uh, it's my Italian blood. Um, I don't have Italian blood. But, um, as we go along here, uh, don't send emails about ethnic <laughs> comments and stereotypes. Don't make me start doing a Mario. Uh, <laughs> so as we are um, seeing the progressive revelation of Scripture, we see covenants that that build. And so we have the Adamic co- covenant, the covenant God makes with Adam. Uh, we see the Noahic covenant that he makes with Noah after the flood. And they don't negate the previous, but right. they are... Uh, but they are new. So what God does with Noah is completely different than what he does with Adam, but it's still part of the same story. We see the Davidic And it's covenant. probably easier for, pe- easier for people to argue 
well, God made a mistake because he said he would never, you know, Noah said, save these people or, you know, or don't do this again. And, you know, God's like, oh, I'm starting over again with the flood or whatever. But I think, and I have a hard time with this sometimes from, from Genesis to now, it's all his plan, but it all seems different in piece in parts. Right. Well, and you know, if we look at it as, uh, let's say a novel, um, we look at, at the Bible as one story we, and we can see that God has one story arc that he's, that he's writing, if you will, from beginning to end, from creation, uh, to the culmination of the new heavens and new earth. It's one continued story that, that he is, uh, writing in, in his people. And we're in that story. Right. But along the way, there are lots of different chapters and different scenes and character developments and, and um, sub-arcs that, that take place within the story. And that's really what we see in the Scripture and in life. I mean, look at your own life. Uh, your your childhood is different than your teenage years, which is different right. than your young adult years. And it's never really a plot twist. It's just different. It's just part of it. And so... Does it go in unexpected directions? Well, yeah, because every good story does. Uh, and this is the story, the reality that God is writing. Uh, and and what they're not getting is that while this is a new wine that Jesus is, is bringing, and it will require new methods, new ways of thinking, uh, new structure, and all, all of the various things that we might look at. And people debate. I think sometimes uh, commentators and, and people will over-parse things, if, if I can make up a silly term, where we kind of we break things down so much that, that rather than tasting the pie, we're only tasting the ingredients. And we're like, man, that flour tastes terrible. It just tastes like flour. Well, yeah, because that's what it is. It only works together as a pie. And I might have pie on the mind. Somebody gave me cherry pie yesterday, which was cool. So as they're seeing just their part, they're, they're not wanting to let go of that. This is what I'm used to. And, and in a way, that makes seemed, sense. Jesus seems to be saying that's to be expected. Right. It, the tone of this seems to be generous to them as, uh, as if he's saying, look, I get it. I, I understand that it's hard for you to accept that this is new. Of course but when the new wine ages, you're going to see it's better. Right. But right now, you don't want to let go of the old wine that you've got. Right. And the old wine was great in its place, right. but I'm doing a new thing. And it's not, Jesus is not establishing a new religion. There is, Christianity isn't a religion. That could be a podcast by itself. It, it's not that. It's, it's the understanding of reality as it is rather than as I'm trying to make it. And so if I'm going to bring the reality of God to bear on the realities of my everyday life, then I do that by getting on board with the story that God is writing. When I, when I align my thoughts with his truth, then my experience and my feelings will begin to reflect his reality. And Jesus is telling them that really gently here. Now, over time, it will get less gentle and more direct. But here he's saying, look, I get it. You're, you're having a hard time with this. That's okay. Relax. Don't try to force what's going, what God is doing now into what you see from the past. Because what God's doing now is for now, not for the past. The past led to this. And that's true for every experience that we have in life. Uh, you know, I, I say this a lot um, on Sunday mornings. When... 
when we look at how our life is stacked up, it's not an accident. God knows exactly what he's doing. And he's never wavered in his plan. So before you and I were born, God had already planned, uh, Psalm 139, he had already orchestrated every step we were going to take, good, bad, and indifferent. He already knew all of that stuff and had it laid out in this plan before we ever took one breath. For little old you and me. Right. (laughs) And that's the same throughout the entire universe as we're looking at this. So everything that God has has caused or allowed in our lives has been for the purpose of bringing us to himself uh, or, or to, to bring glory to himself and, and for our good and when we get to a place where all of those events good bad or indifferent have broken our pride and and humbled us before the cross and we receive christ this new wine it needs to be it needs to be understood as part of God's greater plan that brought us to this place. Then when we receive Christ, everything that we face, good, bad, or indifferent, that God has has brought or allowed into our lives, depending on how you want to you know, state that with your theological perspective, the reality doesn't change the way we say it does. As, as God brings those things into our lives as Christ followers, then all of them, even when everything goes haywire, it's not haywire to God, it's being used to conform us to the likeness of Christ, which is our destiny as believers, as those who are in Christ, we will, in the end, be conformed perfectly to his likeness. And God finishes what he starts. So all of the junk that we have in life is part of that. Even the it's stuff necessary. It is. And even the stuff that gross. That is against <laughs> yeah. That is against God. The, the, even yeah. our sins, God in his sovereignty will spin. Mm-hmm. He'll take he'll take what Satan meant for evil, Genesis fifty twenty, and turn that for our good. He's gonna use it. It's not even really turning because he's already determined this is going to be used for good you can sell me into slavery in egypt and god's going to raise me up to be able to do his work his way for the saving of many lives what happened with joseph happens with us maybe not in egypt but in our particular setting god is taking everything that the devil uses to wreck us to 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 just destroy our wine skins and let the the wine pour out on the ground god is using to develop us, to make us more like Jesus. And that's that's the purpose. I kind of jumped uh, into some other concepts here from what we're talking about. But but Jesus is bridging the gap between I'm going to be reaching out to the, the sick and the unrighteous. That's what this gospel is for, is for those who will receive it, not those who think they deserve it. And now he's talking in this scene, which seems to be uh, even at the same time as the, the um, Levi's party. It appears to be in the same conversation but conceptually he's shifting and saying uh you know <laughs> as you're looking at this this is bigger than what you think it is this is bigger than your little small picture of morality and you know you want to i get that you want to protect the holiness of god but god doesn't need your protection it's like defending a lion just open the cage and, and it'll take care of itself and god's holiness is like that so should we want to defend God's holiness? Yes. Does God need our, our efforts to defend him? Come on. So Jesus is telling them, I'm here. This is the time for us 
to, to celebrate. Save the fasting for when it's appropriate. And now, because we're doing this new thing, we're in this new celebration, this wedding feast or pre-feast, the feast is coming later, we're, we're in this beginning of this great celebration, uh, you need to understand the way you thought before is not going to fit. It's not going to work. And you need to, to, to get to his metaphor of the wineskins and the, the new garments, you need to be flexible because doing things the old way only works with the old things. Doing things the new way will work with the new things. They both have their place, but you can't mix them. If you mix them, you end up with a disfigured and distorted thing altogether. And gross wine. I think that would be in a redundancy. <laughs> so Jesus is doing a new thing. We got to get on board. The Pharisees have to get on board. We have to deal with the blips in life because it's all part of God's plan. Word. I think it's a good place to end. Okay. I won't say, we have an a inside joke every week that I say see you later and we're not actually seeing anybody. So I'm going to say we'll catch y'all later. <laughs> Thanks for listening. This week. <laughs> this week. Next week it'll be see you later. Thanks for listening, you guys.